Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee. I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Dr. Neil Barnard is away this week. He's over in Europe speaking at a number of conferences, including the Unite to Cure conference at the Vatican. A very big honor. He's going to be back on the program next week, but this week we're talking about low-fat, low-oil diets. You know, a lot of people are more afraid to give up oil from their diet than anything else, literally anything. So we're going to be talking about that with doctors Steve Niebuhr and Hanna Kaliova from the Barnard Medical Center. You know, it was a very interesting conversation that I had with Dr. Kaliova about what happens to your body on a cellular level and just how rapid those changes are after switching to a plant-based diet. She also explains the reversal of heart disease. The way that she breaks it down is incredible. But one of the things that I found most fascinating during our conversation is that she can pretty much tell you what you've eaten for breakfast just by analyzing your blood. So we'll find out how that works, and we'll also learn about her new 16-week study that shows another strong link between the benefits of a vegan diet and reversing diabetes. But we start with Dr. Niebuhr. You know, there are a lot of common beliefs about oil, specifically olive oil. Is it healthy? Well, what about coconut oil? We hear about their health benefits, but are they really all they're cracked up to be? And then a little bit later on in the show, we're going to bring Dr. Niebuhr back, and then that's when he and I are going to dive into fish oils. Again, we hear a lot about the health benefits of omega-3 fish oils helping to improve cognitive functions, some tied to Alzheimer's disease. Then we'll also talk about what researchers are finding out about those claims, and those answers might surprise you. Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll, on Twitter, at Chuck Carroll, WLC. The show on Twitter, at PCRM, both also on Facebook. Search me out, Chuck Carroll, and PCRM.org. That's where you're going to find a ton of nutrition info and things of that nature. Now, today's broadcast, all about low-fat, low-oil diets. And should we be eating oil? I mean, it depends on really who you ask. One of the people I am going to ask today is my good friend from upstairs at the Barnard Medical Center, Dr. Steve Niebuhr, who is proudly sporting <laughs> the BMC fleece today. How are you doing there, Dr. Niebuhr? I'm excellent. How Do about you? I'm doing great. You know, I always love it when you're on the show. And I, I don't know if I've told you, you get rave reviews when you're on here. Yeah? Do it's, I? You, you do. And as a matter of fact, somebody uh, said to me last week, they said, Dr. Niebuhr is an authority figure wow. on the podcast. Wow. I'm not, I appreciate that. I love being here. I'm, I'm not paraphrasing. Like, they seriously called you an authority figure. Wow. So no I, no pressure. Yeah, no pressure. I was just thinking, man, I, I got to make sure everything is exactly 100%. But you know what? I do that anyway. So <laughs> You do. You, you know, keep it 100 you, we, I bring the A game. You and do. I know you do. So you I do. feel feel like I need to meet that. You, you, you wake up and you're automatically part of the A team. I was born ready. All right. Uh, I am ready to dive into some nutrition questions because one of the things that is often posed is when you're switching to a plant-based diet, what happens to oil consumption? And so that's kind of my first question to you is a lot of these plant-based diets, these physicians, these nutritionists who are working with the patient actually say, okay, well, cut oil from the diet. Right. So why is it that they're saying that? 
Yeah, well, I, I think one of the things pe- people are surprised to learn, one of the things people are surprised to learn is that we actually do recommend cutting out oil. And I want you to think of it like in terms of what we're eating, we want you to eat food, right? Oil is mm-hmm. not a food. Oil is something you can put in your car, right? Right. Oil kind of helps lubricate the joints a bit, um, but it's not really a food. It doesn't occur naturally in nature. Right. Right. It, it kind of goes along in the same category as condiments. Right. It's almost like ketchup or mustard, oil, right? right. So you wouldn't sit down and eat a bowl of oil as a meal. Not, not I, I hope, right? No, you know, no. it's not exactly soup. No. <laughs> uh, but you could sit down and eat a bowl of fruit as a meal. You yes. could sit down and eat a bowl of vegetables as a meal, beans, lentils, all that kind of stuff. But you wouldn't make oil the meal, right? right. So when we're saying stick with food, we're going to avoid oil. That's not the reason that we don't put oil in the diet, um, but that's one way that I try to get people to think about it. Right. All right. Um, you know, we focus on a low-fat, plant-based diet. Sure. Oil is liquid fat. You don't say. It, it literally is liquid fat. What's the caloric density when it comes to oil? Isn't it one of the most calorically dense foods that you can eat? Yeah. I mean, it's it's pure fat. Right? I mean, you can't get any more calorie dense than that. Right. If you want to get the most bang for your buck as far as calories, if you're out to consume as many calories as possible, you're going to eat oil mm. or you're going to eat butter. Mm-hmm. Butter is solid fat. Right. Oil is liquid fat. Right. So if you say, you know, I don't care about my health, I just want as many calories as quick as possible, then right. yeah, go with oil, go with butter. Right. Um, but for most of us, there's really no reason to ever do that. I think uh, I was reading on um, Rip Esselstyn. You know him? He uh, yeah, yeah. The, I don't think I've ever met him, but I, I know of him. Yeah, he puts out the uh, Engine 2 sure, line yeah. of products, man. Yeah. Pretty cool guy. Uh, yeah. I lifted a little piece off of his website that said that um, it is, in fact, oil is on average the most calorically dense food that you can eat. It's something like 4,000 calories per pound. Yeah, absolutely. Somewhere in, in that area. That's yeah. a lot of calories. Yeah. And it's interesting. A lot of times we go over calorie density with our patients up at Barnard Medical Center. Mm-hmm. And on one end of the spectrum is oil and right. butter, which has about 4,000 calories per pound. Right. If you go to the exact opposite end, you have your vegetables. Right. So your spinach and your lettuce and celery and stuff like that. And you can be down around 100 calories per pound mm. with vegetables. Right. So I tell people, if you were going to eat a pound of oil, not that anybody's going to do that, but it, theoretically, if you were going to eat a pound of oil, you'd have to eat four, uh, 40 pounds of vegetables to equal the same number of calories. Man. And which one's going to fill you up? Well, I would say the, the vegetables. Right. I mean, you and I together couldn't eat 40 pounds of vegetables maybe in a whole month. Not on my best day, my friend. Uh, I don't know. That's a lot of vegetables. Yeah. That's boxes and boxes. That's a commitment. I think we could fill up this room probably with 40 pounds of vegetables. You know what they ought to do? They ought to do like uh, one of those competitive eating contests with carrots or something like that. You yeah. Know, they have the hot dog eating right, contest right. every every 4th of July. We should sponsor that. I think that we're on to a million-dollar idea there. And you know what? Maybe bring in some rabbits and see how they do, right? Mm. Rabbits love carrots. Yeah. I'm not an authority on rabbits, but they do. that's what I learned growing up. It, well, that's true. I think <laughs> stereotypes exist for a reason. Exactly. Um, the other thing about oils is, correct me if I'm wrong, they do. They are derived from plants, but when you process it and you get that oil, you are literally stripping everything else out of that plant that is nutritionally beneficial. Right. So let's take olive oil. You know, everybody thinks olive oil is great for you, olive oil is healthy, olive oil improves whatever. And we'll touch on that in a minute, I'm sure. Mm. Um, But in order to get the oil 
out of the olive, you need to really process it. You need to put it, you know, modern day, we put it in a factory and grind it up and squish it and, I don't know, whatever they do in the factory. Um, but they're removing all the fiber, all the, a lot of the vitamins. There may still be a little bit trace vitamins in the, in the olive oil, but for the most part, they're removing all the benefits of eating the actual olive, mm-hmm. right? So olive is a, is a non-processed food. It, you can go out into the world and pick an olive off of a tree, right? And right. just eat it. Right. Olive oil, you don't find it growing naturally in the world. You have to process the olive to get the olive oil. Right. So when you're really trying to stick with that plant-based, whole food, non-processed diet, there's not any place for the oil in there. Now, before we go any further down this road, and there is a long way to travel still, um, I do think that uh, when you you're talking to a patient considering yeah. going plant-based. I would think that elimination of oil can be as intimidating as eliminating both meat and dairy. Yeah, I would say that's probably right. I think it is a little bit intimidating because so many people are used to cooking with oil. Right. You know, you think of, hey, I'm going to fry something in a pan. Let me throw in some some olive oil or some whatever other type of oil. Um or, or just coating foods for possibly more flavor or different yeah. texture. Yeah. So a lot of people may be used to cooking using the oil. And so now if you say, well, we're not going to use the oil anymore, they don't know where to turn. They don't know what to do. Right. Um, and, and it is beyond just cooking with it and mm-hmm. adding it yourself. It isn't yeah. literally everything. I remember it wasn't too long ago. I, I went to the store to buy raisins. I needed, yeah. you know, to get some dried fruit okay. in my diet. And um, I, I was stunned to find that they added oil wow. to raisins. Yeah. I, I could not understand for the life of me why. Yeah. I, well, I don't know exactly why. I mean, maybe it's so the raisins wouldn't stick together as much. Right. I don't have any evidence for that. I'm just taking a wild guess. So maybe the the online world will let us know. Yeah, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure why they do that. I, I did find, uh, you know, some raisins that did not yeah. have oil, which yeah. was which was nice. I think um, you can still eat raisins without oil. I, I would assume I you, can. you can. Yeah, um, I think you can. But seriously, I, I mean, I, I don't want to sound biased here because I think that, um, well, <laughs> when you have, a, again, a new patient, yeah. is it okay for them to baby step off of it? Because there are plant-based snacks like crunchy chickpeas or something yeah, like that yeah. that do have a little bit of oil in it or kale chips, sure. relatively, yeah. quote, unquote, healthy food, depending on how you dress them up, a little bit of olive oil on there. But it's not going to be the same amount of oil you would get by going through a drive through and scarfing down a large fry and oh, know, sure. a Big Mac. Yeah. Well, you, you raise a couple interesting questions there. So we always try to get everybody to, to kind of take a big first step, you know, like really go into it really embrace those dietary changes um, because we find a little bit gets you a little bit of the way. And when you only get a little bit of a change, you might not be as motivated to keep going. Right. You know, if you have one extra salad a week, who knows, maybe you'll feel better, maybe you won't, but then you might try it and say, well, I had that one extra salad and it didn't really do anything for me. So I'm going to go back to my old way of eating. Right. Um, and you're right about restaurant food. A lot of times, if it's fast food, you mentioned drive-through, right? So, uh, if it's fast food or restaurant food, they do tend to put a lot of oil and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of salt, oftentimes. So, we generally recommend to our patients to try to cook for themselves at home because sure. then you know exactly what's in it. And this is where I get a lot of really great support from the dietitians at Barnard Medical Center. Um, I am no extraordinary cook. I can follow directions from a recipe. uh, But as far as coming up with stuff and making substitutions and doing all that kind of fun stuff, uh, I'm a little conservative in that front. Like I don't take a whole lot of big chances there. Maybe I should. Right. 
and and maybe one day I will. But for now, I just get the recipe and I say, that sounds good. Let me follow that. But we really rely on the dietitians quite a bit to go through um, go through the food choices that people make and uh, <clears throat> excuse me and try to really come up with substitutions and different ways of doing stuff there there are ways to to kind of stir fry foods without oil with using um uh, sorry using uh water or using vegetable broth and you can make them just as good sometimes even better with those things my mom actually posed that question to me last night as oh, a matter yeah? of fact yeah She's like, how how can you stir fry without oil? Yeah. And so I was like, I, I went the water route. I didn't think about vegetable broth. Yeah. That seems pretty You can do vegetable smart. broth. Yeah. I've seen uh, Chuck Sarno, the, the chef, um, mm-hmm. uh, do it with – he was at our conference I think last year or the year before. But he had a, he did a cooking demonstration and used uh, – I believe it was vegetable broth or possibly water. It was one of those two. Now it's getting a little fuzzy in my right. mind. Uh, but the point was you can do it without oil. Sure. Uh, pro tip from the weight loss champion here. Uh, if you are going out to eat, not at a fast food restaurant, but in an actual sit-down kind of restaurant, ask for your food. Steamed if it's going to be cooked. Uh, ask for it not to be cooked in butter. Yeah. Inquire. Ask questions. Always ask questions. And uh, don't be afraid to order that salad with lemon. Yeah. You know, just squeeze a little lemon on there. It's kind of fresh, you know, yeah. no oil. It's not bad. Yeah. Or if you like the vinaigrette, I always use that on my salads. You don't have to mix it with oil. Right. Some people are just so used to the oil on top of the salad. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at the um, the salad dressing sitting in the refrigerator, it separates out. Yeah. You have the oil layer and you have the the water or whatever else sure. is in there layer. Um, and that, that separation is because some of it is oil and some of it is not right um but you can put vinaigrette on salad and i think it, i think it tastes great done that myself it's there pretty go. daggone good there you go it's uh it's got a little bit of a tart flavor to it but it's not bad yeah it's, i, I have a little bit left on my tongue right now from lunch do you really i do yeah. did, did, you, did you get that uh lunch that was brought in by dc vegan no i i, I brought my own brought a just a big salad mix see that you you are just like you're you're Mr. Prepared over there. <laughs> That's right. You're Mr. Prepared. I over do there. what I can, uh, and you succeed. You do quite well. Oh, thank you. I try. Um, let's dive back into this. Uh, for the people that may be new to veganism, uh, and even for those who have been vegans long term, I yeah. mean, why don't we just put it out there from the beginning? Excess oil consumption. You eat a lot of oil in your diet. What kind of risk are you putting yourself in? Well, like we mentioned first, oil is fat. Right. It's pure fat um, or essentially pure fat. There may be trace exactly. vitamins, minerals, but it's, but whatever. I don't want to give a percentage because I'm sure people are going to look it up. But almost all of it is fat. Saturated fat at that. Yeah, with to differing, to differing degrees depending on what type of oil. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether it's olive oil, coconut oil, whatever other kind of oil, the, the percentages of how much saturated versus unsaturated and all that stuff uh, will vary quite a bit. Um, but, but the point is that it's all fat. You know, mm-hmm. the the – degree to which it's saturated or unsaturated um, is kind of a biochemistry thing and it has to do with where the bonds are in the in the in the fat molecule and, and I don't think I don't think that's the way we want to go with this discussion right now I mean you can get deep <laughs> if you want I have gotten requests to get a little bit more deep in okay. our discussions you sure know? So, so we do have some veterans okay listening, you know? yeah and I'm sure there's people that really know their biochemistry and, yeah. and can really relate to it um, but the different types of oil, uh, they're different basically depending on how much saturated fat is in it versus non, non-saturated fat or unsaturated fat. And it differs to where the bonds are, the double bonds, and the, the way that the, the, the carbon backbone, so to speak, mm-hmm. is, is structured in there. And this, I think, is going to go over the head of certainly some people and maybe other people are going to feel comfortable with it. But the point that I really want to drive home 
is is that all of oil, all oil, not olive oil, but every oil is pure fat, basically. Right. Um, it's it's just it's literally just fat. I mean, every time you're adding oil to something, you're adding fat to it. Mm-hmm. Um, butter is is solid fat. Liquid is or oil is liquid fat. It's two sides of the same coin, and so in the world that we live in. Everyone is getting enough fat. Right. You know, I, I never see anybody who comes in with a fat deficiency, <laughs> you know, unless you're literally not eating anything. It, it's it's exceedingly rare. In the modern world, we're fortunate that we just don't see people who don't get enough fat. Right. Right. Our, our need for fat, um, the essential fats, is exceedingly low. I mean, in, in my career, I've never seen anybody who didn't get enough. Right. You know, there, there's there's ways that that can happen, but they are so rare that for the general population, it's not even worth worrying about. Right. I'd be more worried about an asteroid crashing into the earth, you right. know? Right. Um, so, again, coming back to what I was saying before, you're adding fat to things. The problem that we do have is that most people are getting too much fat in their diet. Right. Okay. Well. You know, obesity, being overweight. Two-thirds of Americans. Right, exactly. So it's not that they're not getting enough fat. It's that they're getting too much fat. Sure. So the way that we go about changing that is by decreasing the amount of fat in our diet. Um, Most people don't get enough fiber in their diet. They're not eating enough fruits. They're not eating enough vegetables. They're not getting that portion of their diet. But what they are getting enough of and more than they need certainly is the fat in their diet. Right. and of course, then that that goes right to clogging uh, arteries and yeah. arterial sclerosis and and all sorts of right. adverse effects that you that you don't want, including diabetes. I mean, a lot of people think that diabetes is directly related to sugar, but yeah. kind of what we're learning now is that's not necessarily the case. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you know, with with type two diabetes, we get a buildup of fat inside the cells. So, right. you know, any muscle cell, your arm or your leg. Um, in cases of type 2 diabetes, they've done studies and they've shown that the amount of fat in the cell or the intramyocellular lipid mm-hmm. um, is actually increased. And that serves to kind of indirectly block the function of insulin. Yeah. So when insulin shows up and says, hey, I'm here, let the sugar in from the blood, that fat inside the cell doesn't let insulin do its job. Right. All right. And then you need even more insulin. So your body ups the production of insulin in type 2 diabetes uh, and you end up just getting a backup of sugar in the blood. So people say, well, there's too much sugar in my blood. It must be that I'm eating too much sugar. But it's not. It's the fat that's blocking that insulin from working properly. Uh, And I guess uh, we'll, we'll conclude with this. What about foods that contain these oils? So if you eat an olive, olive you need that to make olive oil. Right. That's not nearly as detrimental here. That's not what you're saying at all. Sure, yeah. If you compare the calorie density of olives to olive oil, it's much, much less. Right. You know, I I haven't done it. I don't know what the actual calorie density is. Couldn't tell you either. Um, but if I had to take an educated guess, I would say it's it's in the hundreds instead of the thousands right. of calories per pound. What about something like avocado, which is going to be naturally high in fat? Yeah, avocado avocado is higher in fat. Um, it's in, as far as the spectrum of how bad fat is for you, it's it's one of the less bad ones. But I once had a patient tell me that avocado is nature's butter, and I've kind <laughs> of always thought of it that way. And avocado really is about eighty to ninety percent of uh, percent fat by calories. Wow! So that's pretty. Heavy. You know, fat in as far as oil and butter is a hundred percent of the calories are from fat. 
Um, avocado, we're talking about 80 to 90%. So, But you're still getting some fiber and other nutrients in there that you otherwise wouldn't be you getting. You are, yeah. Them. yeah. And I tell my patients too, if avocado is the worst thing in your diet, you're, you're doing okay. Right. Um, if you're trying to work on losing weight, that would be something where you'd want to certainly cut back on it right. um, because there are certainly foods that would be better uh, a better alternative than avocado. Right. So with Cinco de Mayo coming right up. Yeah. Uh, lots easy, of guac. Easy on the guac there, <laughs> boys and girls. Yeah. Easy on the guac. Okay. Uh, Dr. Niebuhr, don't yeah. go anywhere. I'm going to ask you to stick around. We've got Dr. Hannah Kaliova coming up in the next segment. We're going to talk more about this. She actually just did a study that I thought was fascinating, um, that, talking about the effects of a plant-based diet on diabetes. What they were yeah. able to determine in just 16 weeks wow. was pretty remarkable. Also going to get her take on on uh, eliminating oil from the diet. Perhaps it's a little bit different. Everybody's got kind of a different opinion on this. Yeah. That's kind of why I like talking sure. about it. So you never know what you're going to get. The yeah. show is like a box of chocolates. Oh, it's always fun. Yeah. Stick around. This is The Exam Room brought to you by the Physicians Committee. You're listening to the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee. I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you once again for giving the show a listen. And while you're listening, be sure to also subscribe on iTunes if you have not already. You can also always find us online, pcrm.org slash podcast. On today's show, we are talking about low-fat, low-oil diets. A lot of people who go vegan think that... Um, well, there's kind of a debate. Do you actually need to remove oil completely from your diet? And as I'm doing research, there some people say yes, some people say no. There are people in the middle. So a woman who would know kind of all about this is Dr. Hannah Kaliova from upstairs at the Barnard Medical Center. And she is just a whiz at all of this. Matter of fact, just put out a study um, on I will read this. A plant-based dietary intervention improves beta cell function and insulin resistance. Basically, what it's saying is it helps with diabetes. So with that, uh, Dr. Kaliover, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Um, I want to start with just kind of the lay thing. So when people switch to a plant-based diet, talk about kind of the health benefits that they start to see. Yeah, first of all, people who consume plant-based diets live longer compared to general population. Uh, the life expectancy difference might be up to 10 years. Mm -hmm. So if you switch to a plant-based diet, you prolong your life, and you also reduce the risk of all the chronic disease uh, that are common in the Western world. So plant-based diets reduce your risk of getting diabetes, getting coronary heart disease, um, reduce your risk of cancer and reduce all your risk factor mm -hmm. risk factors like they reduce your blood pressure and uh, blood lipids uh, so there's plenty of benefits and plenty of reasons why to go vegan um Let's. I had somebody email me this past week. I thought that it was a really interesting email. She said, Chuck, it's a really great show, but I wish you would dive a little bit more deeply into the science behind all of it all. So I guess my question to you, not being a doctor, not having gone through the medical school, I have no MD next to my name, um, on a cellular, a cellular level, what kind of starts to happen and how quickly does it happen when somebody eliminates dairy and animal products from their diet? 
Right. So uh, plant-based diets uh, always improve the efficiency of our metabolism. At a cellular level, uh, they increase uh, the function of our mitochondria, which are the powerhouses in our cells. Mm -hmm. So our metabolism is boosted up when, when we go vegan. And also, uh, plant-based foods increase um, the level of AMPK, which is an, an energy sensor in our cells. And if we want to be lean and have uh, an efficient metabolism, we want to keep this enzyme, the AMPK, high. And plant-based foods uh, have been shown to increase AMPK. So the, the AMPK as an energy sensor works like a fuel gauche in our cells. When you're driving, you're always looking at how much fuel is left. Right. And this is what the cells are doing as well. They're looking at their energy level and the AMPK is like the energy sensor and uh, the cells are very smart and they want to keep the AMPK high uh, to, to be efficient in their metabolism. And the plant foods increase this enzyme in in the cells so, man, the body is just it is a magical thing isn't it yeah it's amazing i, I mean uh, you have a built-in energy sensor i've never heard of it put quite that way so ampk um i'm sure that if you google that you can learn uh quite a bit more but this uh this time is kind of limited so the other question that kind of gets posed quite frequently is again when you go vegan how long does it take for your body to rid the hormones and the toxins that are found in dairy and animal products. I'm always amazed at how fast the changes changes occur. People who have suffered with diabetes for years, mm -hmm. when they go plant-based, when they go vegan, within a few days, usually we need to reduce their medications because otherwise they would uh, go into hypoglycemia. Their blood sugar would be too low. The plant-based foods are so efficient uh, that, you know... Uh, we are able to reduce medications within a few days usually. Uh, and the same is true for blood pressure and uh, blood lipids. Within a few days, we already see some changes. Uh, and there's also some adaptation. So the full benefits of plant-based diets are observed after a few weeks or months after following a plant-based diet. Mm -hmm. But I'm always amazed at how fast the changes occur. You know, the first um, positive results can be seen within a few days. That's unbelievable to me. Uh, what about like a, a chronic disease, like heart disease? A lot of people that get diagnosed with that or even switch to the plant-based diet right. after they have a heart attack. Um, I think that you just mentioned kind of diabetes and, and how that measures out. But as far as, you know, cleaning out the arteries and, and getting all of that nonsense out of there, how quickly do people start to see the benefits in that area? Cleaning up the arteries takes uh, longer. Uh, it's recommended at least, you know, to be plant-based for one year mm -hmm. or so to see significant changes. However, again, it's quite amazing that people will experience benefits of plant-based diets within days. Even if they, if they have a serious uh, heart disease, uh, their arteries, uh, it will take time for them to clean up for the arteries. However, uh, the arginine content of the diet, arginine is a, is an amino acid contained especially in plant foods more than... Is that in, one of the nine essential? Uh, 
it's uh, it's uh, an essential amino acid, okay. and uh, it's contained especially in beans and nuts. Gotcha. And uh, you know, it's also it's it's important not only how much arginine you uh, you consume, but also how how much the arginine makes percentage-wise from all all the protein from all the amino acids that you consume, and plant-based foods. Uh, have a higher percentage per percentage of arginine compared with other amino acids and compared to animal foods. And this um, amino acid uh, will increase the ability of the blood cell blood um, blood vessels to um, secrete nitric oxide which will relax the arteries. So the Benefits of a plant-based diet will be experienced within a few days mm. by patients with heart disease. Uh, within a few days, they will experience their chest pain uh, less frequently, right. and uh, they will be uh, experiencing the benefits of relaxing their blood vessels. I mean, again, such a quick turnaround, right. uh, at least when you start to see those benefits right. kick in. And I think that it's really important that we live in a society where it's, I want it now. And that's the right. great thing about switching to this right. diet is you really don't right. have to wait that long. Right. You see those results right away. Even if you don't see them on the scale right away, which weight loss, mm -hmm. rapid weight loss is very common, but you feel right. it right away. Right. More so, in my experience, with mm -hmm. any other quote unquote diet that I had ever been on. Yeah, it's very motivating. It keeps you going. And uh, after a few weeks, you realize you never want to go back. Yeah. That's how amazing it feels. I don't, it didn't even take me a few weeks. I mean, it was just like a few days, yeah. like you said. Um, here's the, the big thing about this podcast, low fat and low oil. And as I said at the top of our segment, there's kind of a, there's a debate. Should you eliminate right. all oils? Should you eat it in moderation? Right. Where do you stand with that? And and what are the benefits of replacing animal fats with uh, plant-based oils? Right. So first of all, replacing all the animal fats with oils uh, brings you some benefits in terms of insulin sensitivity and in terms of your blood lipids. Mm -hmm. uh, however, people tend to use oils as healthy foods. For example, if you say extra virgin olive oil, that sounds really healthy. So right. people tend to just dump a ton of olive oil into their salad. And uh, too much of the of the oil may, may slow down your weight loss, mm -hmm. uh, may also slow down the improvement of your blood lipids ev eventually. So although replacing all the, the animal uh, fats with oils is beneficial, you might want to use the oils with uh, moderation. We recommend to people with our... in our research studies to consume only about 20 to 30 grams per day of, of all the fats from plant sources uh, in order to get the maximum benefits. Right. Low-fat diets uh, have superior uh, benefits uh, compared with high, higher fat uh, diets uh, in terms of insulin sensitivity. Uh, if you struggle, uh, two out of three Americans are overweight mm. or obese. Yes, that is and, true. Uh, um, 
it's not only about the excess body weight, but it's also about distribution of body fat. Uh, so the fat is not only in the adipose tissue. We only have a certain capacity to take in fat in our adipose tissue. Mm-hmm. Once we exceed this capacity, the fat starts overflowing to our inner organs, like the liver and the muscle. And the fat is stored inside the muscle and liver cells. Right. And in it interferes with the insulin action. After the meal, insulin is secreted from the pancreas, from our beta cells uh, in the pancreas to push glucose inside the cells. Uh, if we have too much fat in, inside our muscle and liver cells, the insulin is not able to open up the cells and push glucose in. And that's how pre-diabetes and diabetes occur. Uh, because all the glucose that's supposed to go inside the cells as a source of energy for our cells is building up in our bloodstream where it doesn't belong to. And it's due to the fat stored inside our cells that interferes with the insulin action. And and yes or no, I mean, that's kind of a, a blanket statement for all oils, whether, you know, olive oil, coconut right. oil, whatever the case may be. Right. You can even uh, analyze uh, the composition of the fat that's stored inside your body. You can even tell where it came from. Oh, and see, now that's another thing. The body, the body will tell, tell your little secrets. Uh, how would you, how would you tell, like, where, where that fat came from? That's actually pretty, pretty fascinating. Uh, you can analyze the fatty acid composition. Uh-huh. You can tell, is it saturated fat or is it monounsaturated fat from olive oil or is it polyunsaturated fat from uh, canola oil? You can really tell the source. So if you took it, my blood, could you tell me what I had for breakfast this morning? Uh, I I pretty much could, yes. That is awesome. (laughs) Um, A lot of what you were just talking about, was that from your study that was published in February, or are these facts that you kind of knew going into it? Uh, You know, I've been doing research in plant-based diets for 10 years now, Mm -hmm. Uh, so I'm telling you data from uh, several of my studies from the past. And in the past, we also analyzed uh, fatty acid composition in serum phospholipids. So we just took blood from our study participants, and we analyzed the fatty acid composition uh, in their cells. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we could really see what they were eating. That's awesome. That is so cool. I, I might want to test that. I might go upstairs yeah. to the fourth floor and be yeah. like, take my blood. Let's play this please, game. Please, please um, come. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll play a game. Um, I want to talk about that most recent study. So kind of the broad strokes there. What, what specifically were you researching here? Right. In our new study, we were looking at uh, the ability of our body to secrete insulin. Our beta cells in the pancreas uh, have a capacity to secrete insulin, which pushes glucose inside the cells. And when we are getting overweight and obese and are heading towards getting diabetes, mm-hmm. uh, we're pushing the beta cells to secrete more and more insulin. It's a it's a higher demand for the insulin secreting beta cells. And this is not a long-term sustainable situation. So eventually, uh, our capacity of to secrete insulin diminishes. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the time when people are diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, about 50% of their beta cells are gone. Mm. They're dead. And uh, by that time, we're just trying to save what is left. Right. And this process has been thought to be irreversible. 
However, we have shown in the recent study that uh, it's completely reversible with a plant-based diet. We are not able not we are able not only to slow down uh, the uh, the impaired the impairing of the beta cell function, but we're actually able to reverse it. We're wow. able to increase the capacity of beta cells to secrete insulin properly again. Now, when you were soliciting for study participants, what were the qualifications? I assume, were were you looking for diabetics and pre-diabetics, or what were you looking for? Uh, diabetes was an exclusion criteria. Oh, okay. We were looking only for people who are overweight okay. with body mass index between 28 and 40, so okay. overweight or obese. Okay. And they had to be from the D.C. area in order to participate in our study classes. That makes sense. So uh, overweight obese, but I mean, I hate to use the term otherwise healthy, but no other chronic ailments were were displayed? Right, exactly. Pretty healthy people. Some of them already displayed some um, signs of pre-diabetes, but most of them were metabolically healthy. Now, let's talk about uh, how this study was conducted. Um, As I understand it, you had the control group, which is in many studies, and then you had the intervention group. So, Compare the diets. Let's start with the control group. Were there any restrictions at all placed on their diets? Uh, We didn't put any restrictions on their diet. We asked them to follow their usual diet. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were trying to lose weight, so they unintentionally reduce their energy intake mm-hmm. about to about the same degree as uh, in the vegan group. Right. So both groups uh, consumed about the same amount of calories. Uh, the 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 energy intake and the diet composition were assessed by three day diet records. Uh-huh. So the self reported diet uh, records have their limitations, of course. However, however, they are widely used in research studies, and uh, self reported energy intake was about the same in both groups. Now, with the intervention group or the group that switched to the plant based diet, did you give them meal plans, or was it you have free reign to eat whatever you want as long as it falls within the vegan diet parameter? Uh, exactly. They were only asked to eat uh, vegan foods mm-hmm. and to keep their uh, fat content of the diet to 20 to 30 grams per day. Right. That was it. Two basic rules. Of course, we provided them with uh, books and recipes and suggestions and uh, um, some cooking demos and lectures. And we tried to inspire them to try new recipes. But we didn't give them a strict meal plan. We didn't tell them this is what you're eating for, brexi- for, for breakfast and this is what you're eating for lunch and dinner. Right. They they could you know they they were able to eat what whatever they 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 wanted. So again, going back to oil, if there weren't really big restrictions and it was just about mm-hmm. monitoring you know fat intake, mm-hmm. um, I, I guess then that would go not just for foods that are heavy in oils, but any high fat food, correct? Right, you know? that's correct. Yes. Um, so. What what were the results there? That's that's the big question. What were the results? Right, um, people were quite excited. Our participants were excited about losing weight. Mm-hmm. The average weight loss was about one pound a week. Okay, and so, this is on the plant based diet. Exactly okay. on a plant based diet, and uh, so the average weight loss was about uh, fifteen fifteen pounds within the sixteen weeks right. uh, of the diet. Uh, 
that's the average. Of course, we had also people who were losing 30 pounds within 16 weeks. Sure. But the average was about one pound a week. And did they increase exercise at all during this? No. Uh, both groups were asked to uh, follow the same exercise regimen as, as until now. That means if they were going to the gym twice a week, just keep it constant. If you, you know if they didn't exercise at all, just don't start anything new. Uh, did you find that the results varied at all based off of race or gender or anything like that? Any demographic inf- influence? Uh, not really. Uh, you know, the group assignment was the biggest predictor of their weight loss mm-hmm. and of the improvement in their metabolism. So being in on a low-fat vegan diet had uh, real benefits for both genders and across race mm-hmm. and... Uh, is equal opportunity exactly. diet. Everybody exactly. wins. Um, what, what studies are you working on now? Do you have anything currently? Uh, we're still running the metabolic study for people who are overweight, and we're looking in more detail into their metabolism mm-hmm. and also in the composition of their gut bacteria. We know that people who are lean have a different gut bacteria composition compared to to people uh, who are overweight and mm-hmm. s- are struggling with their weight. And we're looking at the dietary changes and the changes in their gut bacteria and are looking at uh, these associations. See, now that that's another one. I'm going to have to have you back on to talk about that. That seems really fascinating to me. We did a, um, a show on gut microbiome. Matter of fact, it was our most downloaded podcast. Oh. So, like, you just did a home run in my eyes. Um, and you also, I'll bring you on pretty soon as well, if you're willing, um, if I haven't scared you off today. Um, you did another study uh, about um, the link between meal timing and uh, weight loss, correct? That's correct. All right. So we won't spoil that. There will be no spoilers here. (laughs) Although if you do want to jump ahead, that's all published on PCRM.org. But um, thank you so much for coming in today, Dr. Kaliova. This has been really enlightening. Thanks for having me, Chuck. Dr. Hannah Kali over there on the exam room brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Very interesting study. And she did have a slightly different take about oil consumption uh, than what Dr. Niebuhr and I were talking about in the first segment. Um, all about moderation. And I guess that goes for all fats. I mean, that's that's kind of the important thing. We're talking about a low-fat, low-oil diet. So when you're switching to a plant-based diet, you want to get all of the health benefits that come with it, low-fat, low to no oil, that's the way you're going to want to go. Right. And that's Dr. Deepor. He's <laughs> back for this segment. Um, I'm back. Thanks for sticking around. Yeah. Um, you know, so there is a lot of misconceptions out there about the benefits of oil. We were talking about olive oil earlier on, mm-hmm. but you hear also people like, man, I got to take that fish oil, you know, that, that omega-6, that's what yeah. I got to get in me. Um, and I call this segment, something's fishy about fish oil. <laughs> um Matter of fact, I want to read this one sentence to you about uh, fish oils that I found on our website. And it says, quote, a new study will make people think twice about taking fish oil capsules or eating fish for that matter. And I think that that, you know, as as far as a health standpoint, kind of says what you uh, need to know. But what 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 is it about fish oils? Because omega threes have been positively tied to good brain health. Uh. Maybe, 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 maybe. Is there's am been, I falling for a myth here? Well, so there's been there's been several studies over the years. Okay. Some of them have been well done. Some of them maybe not so well done. Okay. 
where just to cut to the I don't know if you want me to cut to the chase right now, but Get right to it, man. The the where we're at now mm-hmm. in 2018 uh, is that there really is no benefit from fish oil. You know, the studies that have shown some benefit in the past really have been, for the most part, debunked uh, to not really have any benefit. Right. Um, you know, they used to say fish oil was good for development of of babies. You know, if the mother ate fish or took fish oil when she was pregnant, uh, now they show that's not really so much the case. Right. There was some suspicion that perhaps fish oil could help uh, prevent Alzheimer's or dementia. It's been shown that that's not really the case. Mm. Uh, Same goes for cognitive improvements. You know, maybe it would make you smarter to take fish oil. It's also been shown to not be the case. Mm. So, you know, as far as neurofunction, no real benefit there. And I guess for those that aren't familiar, is fish the only place that you can get omega-3? And does your body even need omega threes? Like, let's let's talk about that for a second. Well, so we we do have some essential uh, fatty acids right. or fats that we need. Um, they they come from plants. Okay, so they're not actually made by the fish. Right. Um, the fish actually get them from eating plants. So from eating, you know, it's like a I cow was, with calcium. Right. I, well, you know, I was yeah, exactly. So I was the cow doesn't make the calcium. Right. It gets it from the grass. Right. I was almost going to say seafood because I was thinking of the food that's in the ocean. Mm-hmm. But in, in our perception of seafood, we think of fish, right? Right. But there's actually seaweed in there and there's lots of plants that grow in the ocean. And so the plants are actually what make the um, the, the essential fats and the omega, you know, the omega-3s, the fatty acids that have the omega-3s right. in them. So when the fish eat those and then we eat the fish, we get them. But the same way you mentioned the calcium from the cow, we can still get the calcium from vegetables. We can get the omegas from the plants. Right. I pulled some notes on uh, a bunch of studies, and and you are spot on uh, when you say that there have been a slew of these that that have been done um, recently. Um, And it's not just uh, cognitive functions here. Uh, They also looked at the effect of omega-3 supplements on prostate cancer in men. And really interesting results there, right? It it really did. I mean, it (laughs) it says here uh, it actually increased the risk of prostate cancer. Right. So you got a lot of men taking an omega-3 supplement for their heart, right? Right. Thinking it's going to help improve their cardiovascular health. But now it's actually increasing their risk of prostate cancer. Right. So it's... On the one hand, it's it's not helping their heart out at all. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it's it's increasing their risk of cancer. So why are you going to take it? It's a fair question, right? Yeah, it's yeah. A fair question. And you know, it's interesting. A lot of times we see supplements that we think are going to be really beneficial, right? And it turns out when you take whatever the nutrient is out of its natural form, so out of its natural state, so the plant in this case, um, it turns out to not have the same benefit in you know, in supplement form. Right. All right. <laughs> so that's okay. So uh, that just sounds like a lot of w- what goes on with, with the vegan diet is like, try not to get stuff from supplements, get it from the actual food that you eat. Right. You know? And, you know, with, with very few exceptions. Right. Um, but one of the big, if I can kind of uh, go off on a tangent for a right. second, um, <clears throat> one of the, one of the kind of big examples that we think of over the last, uh, I don't even know when this was, maybe 10, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. they looked at beta carotene. Uh, which is a strong antioxidant found mostly in carrots. It's kind of, I think, been associated with that orange color. Right. And so they found that when smokers were eating more carrots, they were getting lower rates of lung cancer. Really? 
Yeah, and so then they thought, well, let's try to figure out what this is from, and they associated it with the beta carotene. So they thought, well, let's put beta carotene in a pill and give that supplement to smokers. And do you know what they found when they did that? Enlighten me. So they found that the rate of lung cancer actually went up, mm. which is like crazy to think about, right? You're taking the supplement with antioxidants in it, should be helping prevent cancer. Why would it make the cancer rate go up? Is it because you're exceeding the RDA? It's just a mega dose? No, well, not exactly. The, the real answer is that there's many antioxidants in your body. And if you think of antioxidants as not just a, a preventive measure, so they're not just preventing cancer, but they're responding to, uh, let's say, abnormal cells, right? They help kind of take out the trash. Mm-hmm. So when your body sees that there's a lot of antioxidants, it kind of figures, well, stuff's being taken care of. Right. And so then it doesn't really send out the rest of the antioxidants because it figures, well, we got all this. Let me not make the rest of them. Gotcha. Um, and so it makes those other antioxidants in smaller amounts. And so that is actually what led to the increased rates of lung cancer because now your body wasn't on alert for those abnormal cells anymore because it said, oh, we got all these antioxidants that are here. Does that make sense? It does. I've not seen that study before. That's actually really interesting. Yeah. Um, Find it and send it to you if you like. Please do. (laughs) I would imagine that would also apply to – I don't know. I I don't know if you you can answer this. Would that also apply to, you know, minors who may not smoke but are subject to black lung and and things like that? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know the exact answer to that, but – but going off what I said before, it's always better to get those antioxidants and those minerals and everything in their natural state. Yeah. Because when you take them out of the fruit or you take them out of the vegetable, you're missing everything else that comes with it. Right. So there's, who knows, thousands of other chemicals in the vegetable that are also helping to affect our health. Um, and, you know, when you're not getting those, you don't know what kind of effect exactly that supplement's going to have. I want to circle back to prostate cancer and talk about one specific study. And this was done at Seattle's Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center. Um, they studied about 3,500 people, um, and they found that <clears throat> men who had the most DHA in their bloodstream were about, and, and here we go, two and a half times more likely to develop an aggressive form yeah. of prostate cancer. Uh, that's a pretty significant jump. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, you don't want you don't want any amount up, right, for your increased risk of any kind of cancer. Right. Um, and you know, taking oil. I think they they were they were taking supplements, right? That was when they had given the men some supplements. Correct. Yeah. So what we've seen through different studies over the years is that oil can be pro-inflammatory. It can actually increase rates of inflammation in mm-hmm. your body. Because remember, too, like I said before, you're taking it out of its natural form. So whereas olives uh, or the, the vegetables, wherever they're getting the oil from, mm-hmm. is, is typically good for you and it's right. a healthful food, you're now taking this out, you're processing it, you're getting rid of all the things that are coming along with it in the, in the vegetable, the fruit, whatever it is. Um, actually, I don't know. Are there fruit oils? Uh, yeah, coconut oil. Okay. Sorry, I was having a mind uh, <laughs> lapse for a second. I, I, yeah, well, okay. But anyway, the point is the point is that the oil actually does contribute to inflammation in the arteries. Um, it doesn't have that anti-inflammatory effect exactly like like we think it does. It's right. not really so good for that. They found increased rates of heart disease, increased rates of cancer with excessive oil and excessive fat consumption. Right. And and the results of that Seattle study also backed up by another study that was conducted in Europe uh, found kind of the same thing. Yeah, higher yeah. higher levels of omega-3s increase the risk of uh, prostate cancer. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
we touched on this, the myth um, or the belief, I should say, that fish oils are beneficial to heart health. Do you know kind of what study or, or where that kind of began? Yeah, they, they had done a study and they looked at people. I'm not sure if it was just men. It may have just been men, but it may have been both men and women. I don't remember exactly. Um, but people that had had a heart attack. So, you know, you, you got the chest pain, you're going to the hospital, you maybe get a stent put in or you get a heart surgery or something for the actual heart attack. They did find that there in this study, they did find a benefit to taking fish oil afterwards hmm. um, because you're now think of it. You're, you're eating a diet that is leading to heart disease. Right. Right. So even if the, the fish oil is not good for you, if your diet is already not great, it may be a step in the right direction. Right. So then they kind of extrapolated a bit and said, well, hey, if it's good for people that have had heart attacks, why don't we give it to them before they've had a heart attack? Sure. Uh, but they really didn't see any benefit there in what we call primary or secondary prevention, which is trying to prevent that actual bad event from happening. So, but still, things you know they get out in the in the media and they they run with it and they say, oh, eat more fish, eat more fish oil to try to prevent the heart attack, uh, but it doesn't exactly work that way. Well, I can tell you that as a journalist, a uh, former journalist, I should say, um, when I was a reporter over at CBS and and then at NBC, I, the reason why some of the headlines are kind of like askew is because they're. These studies are being interpreted by people who aren't nutritionists, sure. aren't doctors. Right. So they're going to like look for the sexiest thing. Yeah, and they're, yeah. they're going to go with it. Right. You know. So you're not. I mean, I don't mean to throw my media <laughs> brethren under the bus, but you're not getting the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. You know. Right. Yeah. I always say you want to go to an expert for any issue you have. You know. Like I don't. I, I'm not a law expert. I'm not an auto expert. I'm not a media expert. Right. But I, I've studied medicine, you right. know, I, I, and even some of these studies, I'll just say, are, are even tough to get through if you know what you're talking about. Right. Um, you know, there's, there's sometimes you're reading it and you're like, wow, this is really dense stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and so for somebody without that kind of medical background uh, or without a research background or a biochemistry background, it can be really tough to try to figure out what you're reading. Um, even earlier today, I had a patient say, you know, I was trying to read a study and I had to Google like every other word. Right. Because it's like, you know, if you're not used to it and you don't know what those words mean, it's it's tough. So you've you've taught me a lot about nutrition and, and doctor things. Doctor so stuff, let yeah. me Let me hit you with uh, some journalism and some okay. media All stuff. Right. So when you're doing a story, really any story, but we'll, we'll keep it to a medical study here. It's best to – you'll get these press releases and they'll suggest a medical expert to talk about this study. Sure. Nine times out of ten, it's going to be – somebody that wants to put their own spin on it um, sure. may have actually even been a participant in that study what you're supposed to do though whether it's this or anything else mm -hmm. you go and you find another source to talk about it because right. there are always going to be two sides to this oh, absolutely and a study can be interpreted two ways or you dive a little bit deeper and you find well again that's not the whole truth you know right, right. and so that's that's kind of the cool thing but it's again, if you don't have that medical degree, if yeah. you didn't go to school to become a dietitian, right. it's going to be really hard yeah. to interpret what it is that you're reading. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And even sometimes uh, doctors or medical researchers will disagree a little bit about the results, sometimes a lot, you know. Right. Uh, but in the same way, I mean, I think even if you're looking at a legal case, you know, and again, I'm not a lawyer, I don't have a legal background. Um, but I know that cases get argued in court. You know, people see things two different ways sure. or they argue them two different sure. ways. Um, you know, people may disagree with every word that we've said today, you know, and they're they're entitled to their opinion. Absolutely. But when you go and look at the research, if it's if it's really proven 
essentially beyond a shadow of a doubt, you know, you tend to go with it. If it's a well-done study, um, if the, you know, the research is reputable, it's not paid for by somebody who has, you know, a, a biased opinion or a, a, some kind of financial stake in it. Um, you know, you have to look at the quality of the study to make sure that it's really worthwhile. Right. And so that's really what we try to do here. Um, yeah. And, and all the studies that we're talking about today, we'll, we'll link off to um, on PCRM.org slash podcast. Uh, if you're listening to this, head over there. Um, I know that Dr. Barnard has blogged extensively um, about all of this. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I, I want to circle back to fish oils and heart health um, and kind of what you were saying. You were talking about using fish oils as a preventative medicine for heart attacks. Mm-hmm. Um there was a study of about 4,000 people who had heart attacks mm-hmm. already, um, and they did this uh, – they did a study where they examined, well, we're going to give half of them uh, fish oils. Mm-hmm. We're going to give half of them a placebo. Um, no difference. Uh, yeah. Like literally, there was no benefit right. to – yeah. To taking these. And, Yet you still see a lot of people taking them, right? Um, or certainly I do. And that was in uh, the British Medical Journal. Uh, something similar also reported in uh, JAMA, Journal yeah. of uh, American Medical Association. Um, yeah. So – and then another one in the New England Journal of Medicine. All of these are peer-reviewed. I mean yeah. that's that's the thing. Right. Um, when I was looking at – doing this podcast that was important to me oh, absolutely because you know I, I know that this is very much a pro plant-based diet organization yeah i'm a big believer in that i sure. make i make no bones about it um however the research that is done and the studies that are conducted mm-hmm. are very thorough they are not biased and that's something that's kind of difficult to do these are not big industry funded studies whatsoever right right exactly yeah and you know you mentioned the peer-reviewed aspect right and and for people who may not know what that means it means before the study is published it's sent into a journal say like the new england journal of medicine or the journal of the american medical association or, or some some journal like that and it's actually sent to other doctors who are well known in the field typically and they get them to read it and if it's like you know, they're reading it and they're like, this doesn't sound right. I don't know what you guys are doing here. I can't follow along. Then it's not going to get published. Right. They need to be able to read through there and say, okay, this sounds like a good study. Your methods are sound. The the data, you know, um, is, is where it looks like what it needs to be. Um, and basically go through kind of with a fine-tooth comb and determine whether or not it, it merits being published. Uh, because those big-name journals – they don't want to publish studies that are garbage. You no, know, it's, it's going to right. It's going to bring down their reputation. Um, and so, <laughs> have we touched on diabetes with with uh, I think omega? We briefly, diabetes? briefly mentioned it right. at well, some point today. I, I want to introduce <laughs> another study uh, conducted by researchers at Harvard. Um, <laughs> they studied the link between omega threes yeah. and type two diabetes. Now, get this: yeah. they followed a hundred ninety five thousand adults uh, for. <laughs> 14 to 18 years, yeah, uh, and they found that uh, the higher uh, the amount of omega-3 fatty acid in the diet supplement or otherwise, I do believe, uh, the higher the risk of diabetes. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible, right? That many people? hundred. That's almost 200,000 people. Yeah, and for that many years? Um, that <laughs> that's a been, long time. What, what, what do they call that study? Is that a meta-analysis if they, you know, they just combine a bunch of other studies? I would think that it would be really hard to study 200,000 people. Yeah. I mean, usually they call it like a cohort study. Uh, right. where they get a bunch of people together and follow them over time. Um, you know, I, I, I believe that's what they did. You yeah, know? I, I would 
think so. I, I don't think even at Harvard there's enough manpower to do 200,000 people. Uh, who, who knows? Those guys are good. But, um, you know, it wasn't a placebo-controlled study. It wasn't right. like, um, you know, uh, they weren't studying the, the, the effect that it had versus placebo. Right. They were just looking at the population, right? right. Um, but, yeah, it's really incredible, I mean, to say that you can study that many people and you get this effect, um, you know, beyond the chance of probability. Right. You know, if you're looking at, like, two people – who knows? It's a flip of a coin. Right. But when you get up to hundreds of thousands of people, your confidence can be can be much higher with that. All right. So let's let's end on this. I think that people may be questioning: What are some foods that do contain omega threes? What are some good sources where you can get that? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of good plant based sources we mentioned before. Seaweed is right. a, is a good source of it, um, and. What I'll, what I'll tell you is don't worry too much about the omega-3. What right. really matters is actually the balance between the omega-3 and the omega-6. Mm-hmm. So just to, to kind of oversimplify it, think of omega-3 as anti-inflammatory. Right. And think of omega-6 as pro-inflammatory. Right. You need a little bit of both. You don't right. want to have everything anti-inflammatory because then if somebody coughs on you, you're going to get sick instantly. You know, that don't inflammation, that. right? You don't want it. The inflammation can help fight off infection and fight, you know, take out the garbage, really. Well, how does that right. work? All right, explain that one to me, Doc. Well, all right, now we're going down another tangent here. No, but basically, I'm, t- I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you, just <laughs> like I, I told Dr. Kali Overs, like, yeah. I got an email this past week and they were like, love the show, yeah. dive deeper. Yeah, yeah. So inflammation, we, we measure certain markers in the blood. There's these reactive proteins and uh, we can look at white cell counts and it's kind of like almost like looking at the immune system or mm-hmm. part of the immune system. And the, the function of the immune system is to keep us healthy, right? Right. So when something goes wrong in our bodies, either somebody coughs on us and now we've got a virus going through our blood or you have an abnormal cell that would possibly turn into something like cancer, right. you want your body to take care of that, get rid of all the junk, clean up everything. It's like the cleaning crew that comes in you know, when the office closes up and makes everything look nice for the morning, right? Good people. So that Exactly. We appreciate them. So we want some degree of that immune function. And, and in, in some level, that's inflammation, right. right? Because you have some kind of immune function. But, so you don't want too little. All right. You know, if you put somebody on steroids and a high dose of it for a long time, sometimes you have to put them on antibiotics just so they don't get sick. So you need to have some degree of inflammation, right? Because steroids lower your degree of inflammation. Right. right Stop right. me if I'm going too fast here. No, man. Go right. Ramble on, brother. But you also, you don't, you don't want too much inflammation, right? Because then you, your body kind of goes out of sorts. It'd be like if the cleaning crew was here during the day while you're trying to do your job. And you can't get stuff done. Sure. Um, you know, overactive immune system leads to autoimmune diseases, and just not a good, not a good thing, right? Right. So we want a good balance between the inflammatory and the anti-inflammatory aspects of our immune system. The yin and the yang. Right. Exactly. So you don't want too much or too little of either one. So what's actually really important is to balance out the omega three and the omega six. So I don't routinely look at absolute levels of those two. You can, some labs will check it for you, but what's really more important is the is the balance between the two. And you want a roughly one-to-one balance or so with, you know, give or take a little bit. Right. Um, and so the foods that are higher in omega-3 tend to be the plant foods. Right. So we mentioned seaweed, other, lots of other vegetables have omega-3s in them. Um, you know, don't, again, don't go crazy trying to find them because you're going to get them in your diet. Right. What what matters in a plant-based diet also is that you're lowering your intake of omega-6s. So the omega-6 is found primarily in animal products. Right. So in 
cow and turkey and chicken and eggs and stuff like that. When you lower that omega-6, you don't need as much omega-3. Mm-hmm. You know, So one of the reasons I think that they thought, let's give people supplements for omega-3, is just because in the standard American diet, you're consuming so much omega-6. Right. And so your options, if you want one-to-one balance between the two, if you have a high omega-6, is increase your omega-3 or you can lower the omega-6, right? Right. And so in a plant-based diet, you're naturally lowering the omega-6. And so you don't need as much omega-3 because right. that balance – is going to be there. Well, just because I'm a, I'm a very specific and, and I guess literal guy, I, I need actual more foods than just seaweed. I okay. know that you're pretty it, much going to naturally get it yeah. from, um, you know. Where's our, you, get, you had a list diet. here for me, right? I did. Where I are did. we? You know, I was doing research. And again, thank you to Dr. Barnard for yeah. pulling all of this. Because I don't even, to be honest with you, I don't even keep a list in my head of what's high in it because I know that people are going to get it on a plant-based sure. diet. Sure. But just for the inquisitive. Absolutely. Um, right up there, I think, uh, edamame. So, so edamame is good, yeah, which is, uh, you know, gr- a great fun food to eat, delicious. Yeah. Uh, you know, wal- nuts. People think of nuts, actually, uh, a lot of the time for omega-3s. Um, nuts are, are great food. I just always caution people that they're calorie-dense. Yeah. And so if you're working on losing weight, you probably don't want to be eating a whole lot of nuts. A couple here and there can be okay. Um, I know people like to say everything in moderation, but as Americans, we're not very good at moderation. Mm, not <laughs> our strong right. suit. And there's a lot of natural oil in nuts as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you ever get a jar of, of peanut butter and it's literally just peanuts, oh, but it you, seems like the top third is just you, a layer of oil? Yeah, and you got to stir it in. That's yep. the peanut oil no, I, separating out. When I was still eating that stuff, like I, I would dump that oil oh, out because it just grossed me. Yeah. I was like, I, I don't need that. Yeah, life. exactly. I, I just no, don't. don't. Especially yeah. if you're trying to lose weight, Yeah, uh, you don't need it. And I know there's a lot of debate over whether or not nuts contribute to weight gain and all that, but I see people sometimes they come in and they're eating, you know, a couple pounds of nuts every week and consuming that many thousands of calories. Uh, I just have a hard time really believing that that's not contributing to weight gain yeah. or at least or at least preventing some of the weight loss. Yeah. Uh, so nuts, uh, the edamame can be good. Uh, some squash you have noted here as well. Yeah, winter squash. I yeah. love that butternut squash. Man. Oh, man, some delicious. stuff, dude. I'd go for some right now. Roast it. Let's Throw go get some. cinnamon on there. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I'm good with that. I all think right. that we touched on a lot of uh, good stuff today. So uh, all of the studies that we've talked about, you will find up on PCRM.org slash podcast. Um, and I'm going to have you back on next week's show. Ooh. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about this new clinicians app okay. that is put out. Now, this is something that doctors, nutritionists, everybody can reference. It's yeah. pretty cool in the medical field. Yeah. But if you're curious, too, and you're listening to this, I mean, download this thing. Yeah. It's, it's free. Yeah. And there is just a host of information. Yeah. Um, and I know that you were intimately involved in its release. So I want to talk about yeah. that as well. And it's available now. If people want to go take a look at it before we even talk about it, mm-hmm. um, or maybe by the time they hear this, yeah. uh, <laughs> they can download it right now. Yeah. Hit pause. You know, Get a link to it on uh, pcrm.org. I think we have that right up there on yeah. the homepage. Many thank yous to doctors Steve Niebuhr and Hannah Kaliova for taking the time to hop into the exam room this week. I hope that you've learned a little bit about oil in your diet so that you can make a healthy decision about what's on your plate moving forward. Shows coming up, just something to keep an eye on. We've got one geared toward being vegan on a budget. How to keep those grocery store costs down 
when you're on the plant-based diet. We're also going to be talking about healthy shopping if you're on the SNAP program. There's been a lot of debate recently about that. We're going to dive into all of that on the Vegan on a Budget show. We also have another exam room show geared specifically toward weight loss. Why is it that those pounds just melt away when you switch to a vegan diet? It's an important question to ask yourself, especially with beach season right around the corner. Dr. Neil Barnard is back next week from Europe. But for now, I'm the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening to The Exam Room, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. 